You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 121 of season three, episode 186 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Today is August 8th, 2021, and I am going to talk with you a little bit about the latest Disney movie my children and I just watched last night, Raya and the Last Dragon. Spoiler alert, I am going to try not to spoil this movie And yet, I want us to be intentional in the way that we consume media like this. And all the more so when this kind of product, this cultural output, is designed to give children an idea of what is good and what is true, which may not necessarily conform with truth and goodness. This movie is beautiful. There is no denying that. It is beautifully made from the standpoint of visual artistry. The colors, the lighting effects, the textures, the facial expressions, everything is modeled in a very skillful, beautiful way. The setting, the scenes, the characters, their wardrobes, the architecture, everything is very, very top-notch in the way that it's executed. I have no complaints whatsoever about the beauty of this movie from the standpoint of visual artistry. But we should not be distracted by the shiny object. And if we're not careful as parents, when we watch movies like this with our children, we may get distracted by the shiny object, more to the point our children may get distracted by the shiny object and miss that there are truth claims embedded within the film, all the more so for the greater intentionality and the greater artistry in crafting the film and presenting it to us. There is a kind of morality play in every movie There's a statement being made about what is good and what is true and what should we make of our lives now on the other end. If we're approaching this as just a time killer, just a way to pass the time, then I think we are not being as wise as we could be, as we should be, particularly as Christian parents, as Christian men and women. We shouldn't be killjoys, but we should be seeking a greater and purer kind of joy. And if this film contributes to that in some regard, then embrace it. If it is not a pure joy, and it may detract from our future joy, our future happiness and health and wisdom, then we do well to stop and do an inventory on what it is that we may be accepting without realizing it. So that as the subtext, the disclaimer, let's jump into this film. Now, first off, as you look at this film, look at the overarching summary narrative 
introduction to the world of the movie. On Amazon Prime, we read, Walt Disney Animation Studios, Raya and the Last Dragon, travels to the fantasy world of Kumandra, where humans and dragons lived together in harmony long ago. But when an evil force threatened the land, the dragons sacrificed themselves to save humanity. Now, 500 years later, that same evil has returned, and it's up to a lone warrior, Raya, to track down the legendary Last Dragon. This film came out in 2021, and it has 4.8 out of 5 stars on Amazon, 9,058 global ratings, 87% of those being 5 star, 8% being 4 star. That makes 95% of the ratings either a 4 or a 5 star. 3% gave it a 3 star, 1% gave it a 2 star, 1% gave it a one star. Now, if I scroll through the top reviews, most all of them are five stars. And I see one right off the bat, which is a one star from John, May 21st, 2021. He says, the feminism and diversity was so forced in this, it ruined the movie. Feminism, diversity, fails to create a good movie. It becomes a propaganda vehicle for failed ideologies. You want to like it, but then you see the poison and it becomes hard to trust anything from these people because you can't trust their motivations and they outright admit it. 14 people found John's review helpful. I don't want to be this guy because I think he says not enough. I don't think he says too much. I think he says not enough in explaining specifically what it is that he's concerned about. And he's not giving credit where credit is due for the visual artistry, for the skill in putting this film together. I think this is not how you win friends and influence people. You should be unpacking things a bit more in depth. For example, I published a piece at On The Rocks blog, which I will link to in the description for this podcast titled The Morality of Disney Movies and the Problem with Moana. You might as well look at this podcast episode about Raya and the Last Dragon as The Morality of Disney Movies and the Problem with Raya and the Last Dragon. In my piece from June 27, 2017, I write, Today I'd like to talk a little bit about the morality of Disney movies, more specifically for those who grew up like I did. Watching Walt Disney's animated classics, I want to ask you, how have your views on them changed since you were a kid? I ask because it occurred to me recently that mine have. This past weekend, I was watching five of my children while my wife took one of our sons to the grocery store. So this is before our youngest son, John, was born, by the way. Trying to work on my statistics homework which is to say I was taking online classes uh, again at this point with Liberty University. I was looking for something good for my daughter to watch on Netflix. That's when I noticed Moana was available to stream. This is before I canceled my Netflix (laughs) subscription. Having not seen this newest Disney animated flick, I will confess my reason for turning it on was only secondarily because Evelyn would enjoy it for old time's sake. I wanted to watch 
a new Disney movie. So Evelyn and I, and gradually her older brothers as they trickled in, watched the tale of a young Polynesian girl who goes on a great adventure to save her people from certain destruction. With the help of the demigod Maui, Moana sails across the ocean together. The two retrieve Maui's magic hook, allowing Maui to shapeshift once more, an ability he lost 1,000 years ago when he was banished to an island for his mischief. Together, Moana and Maui confront monsters. They brave storms. Moana learns to f- wayfind from Maui. Lastly, Moana returns the heart of the goddess Tefiti to her wrathful, demonic, volcanic form so she can once more become the verdant, pacific, benevolent green island she formerly was. Spoiler alert. Raya and the Last Dragon is Moana. Beautiful young gal loses her family, her home, goes voyaging, encounters a mythical creature who will help her to save the world. And in the end, you find out that the bad guy, the villain, is not really the bad guy, is not really the villain. Same story, but repackaged, more or less. The bad guy in the end of Raya and the Last Dragon was not really the bad guy. She actually is the one entrusted to save them all, more or less, kind of, kind of, sort of. It's interesting to me to look at this film, Raya, and to try and unpack the worldview of it. And I was pointing out to my oldest son, Josiah, as we were talking about it after the movie ended last night, that this film is set in a fictional world, Comandra. But this is China. You know it's China. I know it's China. We all know it's China. This is a movie steeped in Far Eastern Chinese cultural, mythological, religious, philosophical worldview. And Riot and the Last Dragon being set in that worldview, in that context, in no way, shape, or form will be allowed to criticize China as it stands today. There is no place for casting aspersions on the Chinese Communist Party in this film. Now you could say, Garrett, I think you're being silly. Why would a children's movie be criticizing the Chinese Communist Party? Well, it's not really that. I'm not expecting that this should have been a treatise on what's wrong with communism. There's more to it. It's a little more complicated. In Raya and the Last Dragon, we have a very Eastern mysticism, Eastern spirituality, Far Eastern spirituality outlook in which it takes the whole team putting their pieces together to fight human selfishness, essentially. This is not a movie championing individualism. This is a movie championing collectivism. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And this is different. You could say, well, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay his life down for his friend. That's good. What about God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world 
that Jesus died on the cross. Well, that's a, a lot different, actually, when we get into the details. And if we mistake that for a collectivist uh, support, then we misunderstand a lot of what's in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, what's in Western tradition. Seeing as how this is coming from the Eastern tradition, Eastern worldview and spirituality, ideas of community, it is very, very different from the Western way of thought. And I don't especially feel comfortable with the way in which by the end of the film, no one has had to be the villain. There is no villain. There are no bad guys. There's no repentance. There's no atonement. The closest thing that you get to atonement is that one representative person from each one of the five tribes of Kumandra, again, spoiler alert, they each have a piece of this mystical gem, this dragon gem. And that mystical dragon gem can repel these evil spirits, which as soon as they touch a human being, a live human being, they turn that live human being into a statue, into stone. These pieces of the gem are able to repel those evil spirits, but the only way to bring the last dragon, Sisu, back from the dead is to combine these gems together. Each one of these five representatives from the five tribes of Kumandra sacrificing themselves to the evil spirits, being turned into stone. That's the only way to bring Sisu back to life after a squabble between Raya and her chief rival from the Fang tribe get into a fight and Sisu gets shot with a crossbow bolt. That's the closest we get to an atoning sacrifice is these five persons sacrifice their lives to the evil spirits in order to bring this dragon back to life. And then this dragon coming back to life dispels all of the evil spirits. Again, I mean, if you if you look at Chinese mythology, this is very uh, familiar. In ancient Chinese culture, dragons were seen as good luck. Still today, if you go into uh, Chinese culture, dragons are a frequent symbol, common symbol, and they are meant to bring good luck and to chase away evil spirits. But should it concern us that the five characters nobly offer a kind of human sacrifice in order to bring back the dragons to dispel these evil spirits? Should we, should we be concerned about the pagan undertones of that and how different that is? That's substantially different, significantly different from the Christian story, which is that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're not offering ourselves as human sacrifices 
so that a stone can be put back together so that dragon magic can come back into the world and dispel evil spirits. And then magically we all are turned back into human beings and we can all get along. The brotherhood of man, world peace, unity, strength and diversity, all of the five tribes get along now. Heart, talon, fang, spine, tail. We're all going to be one big happy family in the brotherhood of man after we have dispelled these evil spirits through a combination of human sacrifice and dragon magic. I think it is worth noting that as China is on the ascendancy, this film would not have been released into the marketplace of ideas if it might have offended the Chinese Communist Party. Just think about that with me for a second. This film, in its current form, as it was released, would not have been released if it might have risked offending the Chinese Communist Party. If there was anything in this whatsoever that might have criticized, cast aspersions on the ambitions, the global ambitions, the regional ambitions of the CCP with regards to Hong Kong or Taiwan, or as of yesterday, there is a piece at the Daily Wire, an opinion piece titled China's Nuclear Threat Against Japan, Hybrid Warfare and the End of Minimum Deterrence. Long and short of it being Chinese state media just recently released a video in which they threaten that if even one Japanese soldier tries to intervene, steps foot on Taiwan to stop the Chinese from taking over Taiwan, China will declare absolute total war on Japan and they will use nuclear weapons on Japan in retaliation. Raya and the Last Dragon doesn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Depending on how you interpret it as a young person, as a young child, young boy, young girl, who's going to be growing into adulthood, flowering in, into adulthood, maturing in the next 10 to 20 years, you might look at China as being Fang. Fang is responsible for all of this destruction, for this dystopian landscape in which so many people have been turned into stone at the beginning of the movie. Fang tried to steal this dragon gem from Hart, and in the process, they kicked off a squabble between the representatives of the five tribes of Kumandra, and the gem fell and shattered, and next thing you know, these evil spirits are coming up out of the ground and unleashing themselves on the world. But by the end of the movie, Fang is restored, and we're all one big happy family. Once we've offered a human sacrifice, the ends justify the means, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, 
collectivism, one big happy family, the brotherhood of man, world peace, all of that. If Fang is China, and China unleashes, let's say hypothetically, COVID-19 on the world, one way or the other, it is released from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, spreads all over the globe, the CCP covers up their part to play in this, whether because they want it to spread further and faster, and they don't want the world to get a grip on this before it has upset the status quo and the balance of power and thwarted Donald Trump's re-election bid, which was going to be highly successful, apart from this act of sabotage, this act of biological war, or because the Chinese just didn't want to lose face. They didn't want to admit, hey, we messed up. We actually did this. This was an accident, but we don't want to admit it because that reflects poorly on us. That makes us look inept. Whichever way you slice it, I happen to favor the former interpretation instead of the latter, former theory rather than the latter. Whichever way you slice it, the CCP has capitalized on COVID-19 to try and springboard itself ahead of the United States as the world's preeminent superpower. They made a power play for Hong Kong. They are advertising openly that they are going to take Taiwan. And if America or Japan or Korea or anybody tries to stop them, we're going to have thermonuclear war on our hands. We're going to have outright, all-out war on our hands. Riot and the Last Dragon sets us up, prepares us to be okay with that and to be okay with the CCP. And so long as a representative person from each tribe is sacrificed in the end and dragon magic dispels all of the evil spirits, we'll all be able to shake hands and be one big happy human family at the end. We'll have world peace. In the end, we'll understand that the CCP was just misunderstood. We'll understand that they weren't really wicked and evil. They don't really need Jesus. They don't need Christ. They were just misunderstood. Well, if we're prepared to accept that in the end, on the other end of a major war with China, possibly, potentially, very potentially, if they're not bluffing, or if we call their bluff, why not just take the wind out of our sails as we beat these war drums? Why not just give up on the idea of a war now on the front end? You see the problem here? This very possibly, very potentially, quite probably is propaganda. Propaganda of a neo-pagan, new age, post-war consensus type. I talked in my piece from 2017 on the movie Moana about the implications long-term of redefining the problem of good and evil along these lines. Decades from now, if Tefiti is actually angry because something that rightfully belonged to her was taken. And all we need to do with the Islamists, for instance, is give them back whatever they feel we stole from them. 
and America is actually the villain, even though Maui, you thought, was the hero. The United States of America, you thought, was the hero of the story. What implications does that have for what we give up in trying to make peace with Tefiti or Islamists or the CCP or Soviet Russia or fill in the blank? People's Republic of Iran, North Korea. What are the implications for embracing this redefinition of the problem of good and evil? And is it true? Is this good? Is this saying what God says? Woe to them who call evil good and good evil, we read. In the Christian worldview, Christ is able to be the atoning sacrifice because he is sinless and it is said of him that he loves what God loves and he hates what God hates. He loves what is good and he hates evil. But if we all agree amongst ourselves to banish the strong gods as R.R. Reno calls them, then we are not going to have peace with God. And we actually won't have the peace with man that we think we can get thereby. I was talking with my son last night, as I said. And I was explaining to him that the post-war consensus, post-World War I, post-World War II, was that we needed to water down our very strongly held convictions from nation to nation. Nationalism, strongly held religious convictions, attachment, all of the things which men fight wars over needed to be watered down so that we would no more want to fight each other and kill each other nation against nation. And so propagandists who had been creating wartime propaganda were commissioned to make peacetime propaganda. If you can make propaganda for everybody gearing up to go and fight the Nazis or the Imperial Japanese, you can also be commissioned to make propaganda to fight the idea of war and to make war against all of the things which men think, which cause them to believe that war is sometimes a necessary pursuit to correct wrongs, to right wrongs, to establish justice, to reward those who do good and to punish those who do evil. As Romans 13 says, the governing authority is a minister of God to do on the earth. If you read the gospel according to Disney, you find some interesting observations. For one, you don't see positive portrayals of Christianity in Disney films. You see magic in the abstract, and you see the pulling of magical mythology, magical stories from every corner of the globe. There's a reason why we're going to tell morality plays from every culture, and we're going to set aside the Christian worldview and embrace, even if we have to water it down, maybe especially if we have to water it down, embrace the worldview of each of these cultures as a way of, in the end, saying, see, we're all the same. See, 
all roads lead to God, more or less. Or there is no God. The fool has said it in his heart, there is no God. And yet, these are the kinds of morality plays we are showing to our children if we're not being careful to offer that parental guidance, which is called for in the rating of PG, if we're not walking through how to watch a movie with our children, what are our children going to believe about themselves, about God, about the nature of reality, about good and evil, about truth and falsehood, about right and wrong, about how we should then live from watching these films, if they're raised by these films. That should be a matter we attend to with great care, with diligence. And we want to be careful, I think, I believe, this is my position, to avoid a couple of things. One, to avoid saying, because this is communicating something false and bad and corrupt, we should completely ignore it. Well, wait a second. In order to have cultural literacy, you can't just ignore it. In order to be able to keep up with the conversation, you're going to have to listen to what the person is saying with whom you disagree, whom you are going to try and persuade of a more correct position. But also, we don't want to be a killjoy who just says, hey, this is really beautiful, but it's evil, and stops there. Okay, let's unpack piece by piece what the concern is. Here's what this movie is saying, what it's communicating in terms of worldview, in terms of anthropology, morality. Here are the implications of believing what this film is promoting. Here's what God says. Let's agree with God where God disagrees with Raya and the Last Dragon. Let's give parental guidance to our children and say, yes, this is very beautiful. It's very visually pleasing. Lots of things in life are very visually pleasing. That does not mean we can afford to uncritically embrace them. Not all that glitters is gold. This glitters very brightly. It is a gorgeous movie, but not all that glitters is gold. And not everything in this film that is visually pleasing and beautiful and well-rendered and colorful is gold either. Parental guidance. I'll leave you with this thought. How often do we look at those two letters, PG, and think, oh, okay, cool. It's clean. It's fine. It's good. We have an overly simplistic rubric for deciding what to show our children and our grandchildren, I think, all too often. This is rated PG, so therefore, it doesn't have any gratuitous violence, blood, gore, viscera, and it doesn't have any profanity. My children are not going to learn rude language from this. They're not going to learn to be foul-mouthed. This does not have any nudity in it, although Riot and the Last Dragon actually does. There is one scene where this little baby takes off her diaper and throws it at Raya as she's trying to escape with her monkey friends. They've just tried to pull off a heist of these pieces of the dragon gem. She 
takes off her diaper and flings it back at Raya and runs away from the screen butt naked. But by and large, we accept, okay, whatever, that's fine. A baby butt, it's fine. But there's no gratuitous full frontal nudity. Okay, cool, we can watch this apparently. There's no explicit or implicit sexuality. No sex scenes. This is safe to watch for my children, for our whole family, right? There's more that we should be aware of and concerned about than that. If we train ourselves to think that a movie is clean and safe so long as it doesn't have sex and violence and nudity and what is considered to be foul language, then we are being superficial about things. Colossians 2 verses 20 through 23 say the following. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of man. These are matters which do have the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and humility and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. We should bear that in mind when it comes to a film like Raya and the Last Dragon. So long as it doesn't hit any of the tripwires about sex, violence, nudity, foul language, we say, oh, it's a good movie. It's beautiful. It's a good movie. Okay, yes, it's beautiful. I agree. What's it communicating? What are the truth claims here? What is the worldview here? What are the statements being made about right, wrong, truth, falsehood, good, evil? We got to walk through those things with our children, with our families, for our own sake, we've got to be thinking about those things. And what you might find is when you do that, you can teach your children almost like creating immunity through vaccination. You teach them how to reckon with, how to recognize, but how to reckon with these worldviews which are in the world. That is a deeper, more meaningful way to engage this, kinds of, this kind of material. It's a better way, I would argue, than avoidance. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It has an appearance of wisdom, Paul writes, an appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and humility and severe treatment of the body, but is no value against fleshly indulgence. That's all I've got. Check out Riot and the Last Dragon, but do so in a circumspect way. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless.
You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.